Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of Coffee Time with Byron and Brett. I'm your host, Byron, alongside my co-host, Brett. What's going on? And we have former NFL player Mike Golick and former ESPN radio guy as well. How are you doing tonight? Thank you for taking your time to join us. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Hanging in there, trying to stay safe, deal with this COVID stuff. Nice hot day in Florida. Another, yep, another nice hot day in Florida. How's it over there? All good, all good. I'm in Indiana now by Notre Dame, so all good here. Nice day. So, um, I want to I want to ask you first, if you don't mind, about your um, about your radio gig. Uh, what I know you were doing it a while there with your son. But mm-hmm. was it ultimate your decision to leave, or did ESPN not want to bring you back? Yeah, they just wanted to change the show. You know, they wanted to go a different direction, and which is their right to do. Uh, so they wanted to do that, and uh, so that was that. I didn't know there twenty three years, great years, had a lot of fun there, and uh, you know, it was their uh, their decision to, to go another direction. So that's the way it goes, and we we all move on. We go our separate ways. How 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 was it doing a radio show with uh, Wingo? How how is he? At? How is he? Oh, Trey's great. I've known Trey forever. We were doing uh, studio uh, work, uh, NFL Live, since two thousand and three for a few years before I stopped doing that. And then uh, so we're, we lived five minutes from each other uh, as well. So we were neighbors. We knew each other. So it was it was very easy to transition over to him and my son uh, for the last three years of the show. Now I saw your son was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, was he going to before he got into the radio? Was he going to ultimately play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or how 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 did that go about? Well, he wasn't drafted by him. He was a free agent uh, after okay. the draft. He signed with Pittsburgh, and no, he would have much rather had a, a long NFL career. But uh, he got cut once by Pittsburgh and twice by the Saints. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, after a few years, he realized, unfortunately for him, it wasn't going to happen. So, you know, he, he uh, got into the business and started doing some work uh, in New York in early mornings there and getting some reps. And would be on actually before uh, my show at six. He would go four to six. And then jump a little bit on our show. And then he started doing our show more and more. So it just kind of evolved to that. And what was it like working with Greeny for all them years? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, 18 years. I, I think it went pretty well. I don't think any of us expected it to uh, to, to go as well as it did. Uh, you know, we were both in our basically early 30s or so in that area, mid-30s when, the, when that show started. And we weren't sure what direction it was going to go because I actually started – the morning radio with Tony Bruno in 98 mm. uh, and coming to the end of 98 for a year. And then he left and, uh, and Green and I started, uh, went for almost 18 years. So uh, it, was, it was a good run. Good run. Is he just as crazy uh, behind the scenes as he is on camera? Greeny? I don't know if anybody would say he's crazy. Greeny is a very professional. Uh, he's, he's extremely professional. He went journalism school at, at Northwestern. And, uh, you know, that was... That was his background, so he's uh, he knows what he's doing. That's for sure. So you and your brother played in the NFL. What was it like playing in the NFL? Uh, I don't I don't remember if you guys played in the in the same time. I don't remember, but uh, how was it being in the NFL with 
Uh, help me out here, Brett. I don't know what you're, what you're trying to say. Okay, sorry. Sorry, but uh, what was it like having a brother in the NFL, basically, with you being in the NFL as well? Well, we, we played at the same time. Uh, he, he's six years older than me, but we we crossed. Uh, we, we were in the same time for a bit. Actually, in the same division when I was with the Oilers, he was with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so played against each other twice a year, but he was, we were both on defense, so we never hit one another. So, uh, he was older than me, you know, he was through Notre Dame and into the pros before I was even in college. So, uh, but it, it was a lot of fun, you know, for both of us to be able to, to play in the NFL. We had another brother, Greg, who was a year older than me. We played together in Notre Dame. He didn't make it into the NFL, but, uh, Bob ended up playing what, 13, 14 years. I played nine years. So that uh, was a lot of fun. Now, your transition to that, to the radio, you, you did you like doing better that than playing football and then? No, 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 nothing beats football. No, I, I you know, listen, I, I played football as long as I could, you know. I did it until nobody wanted me anymore. And like I said, it lasted nine years. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but I'll always, uh, football was always the love, without question. Uh, radio and TV was a lot of fun. Uh, I was, didn't know I was going to go into it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just kind of, the way it kind of happened. And it, it worked out pretty well, you know, for, for a number of years. But uh, no, I, I would take football any day. Yeah, so you were around 10 draft pick, pick 255 and 85. Did you, did you know you were going to go that low in a draft or did you want to go higher? What, well, I thought I was told? projected to go higher, but my senior year at Notre Dame, I hurt my shoulder mm-hmm. uh, in the first first game of the season. But I still played the rest of the season, and uh, I ended up uh, getting my shoulder operated on at the end of the year. Uh, so I went to the combine, and I was injured, so I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. Uh, so the projection of being in the upper part of the draft went away, <laughs> and, uh, and and so... So the tenth round happened, which isn't even a round anymore since the draft is only ten rounds. So yeah, I was picked two fifty five back in nineteen eighty five. Now, do you have a a moment in your career that you remember most, like your first sack or your your first INT? My first tackle, actually, I was on IR my first year. I broke my ankle, so I didn't play. But the next year, when my first game, I believe it was the first or second. I think it was the first game. Uh, we played the Bears, and it was the end of Walter Payton's career. And I think my first tackle was against Walter Payton, which was pretty cool. Wow. You know, you don't even you don't realize that at the time. It's, it's a running back tackle, mm. but uh, so that was that was pretty cool. Other than that, you know, uh, you know, moments here and there, a, a, a playoff win, you know, in '92 against the Saints. There, there are there are moments, three interceptions uh, during my career. So moments here and there, unfortunately. You know, the goal there is to win the Super Bowl, and we never got close enough to do that. So that, that would have been the ultimate uh, ultimate dream for sure. What would you say you miss most about playing the game? Well, the locker room for sure. I mean, just, just the camaraderie with your teammates, you know, working out together, training together, practice together, watch film together, play games together. I mean, you spend more time with them during the season a lot of times than your family. So you miss that camaraderie. You miss winning together. You know, unfortunately, at times losing together, but doing it all together as a team. Uh, so I, I, I miss that the most, just kind of kind of that locker room atmosphere. Do you have a funny story from when you uh, played either off the field or on the field? Oh, uh, 
It's a lot of years. Uh, uh, probably uh, one training camp in Philadelphia. At the end of training camp, we had a big uh, water gun fight <laughs> against the offense, offense against the defense. Uh, it was a pretty good one. Went through, we covered three floors of a dormitory really? at Westchester University. And unfortunately, one of the offensive uh, players, a wide receiver, ran into the corner of a desk and hurt his thigh and had to miss a couple of days of practice. So coach wasn't too happy about that one. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't blame, I don't blame him. <laughs> so out of your, it says here you played out of five playoff games during your career. Uh, how far along did you play in those playoff games? Did you advance to the next round? Were they wild card? What were they? Four times uh, we lost in the first round. And then in 92, we played the Saints um, in the first round. It might have been the wild card round in New Orleans. And we beat them. And then we went to Dallas to play uh, Dallas. And they beat us. They actually, Dallas went on to win the Super Bowl that year and the year after. Uh, but that's the farthest I ever got. I only had one playoff win of all, all those five, five playoff or five times, I think, five or four times going in the playoffs. Only had one playoff win. Do you think in your mind you had a successful career only playing 115 so games? Well, I mean, only is a relative term. Only gets you nine years, and the average is three years. So I, w- I would say it went pretty – yeah, I- I'd be pretty happy with it, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I like that response. <laughs> uh, so you said you played defense. So um, who would you say did you like going up against quarterback-wise? Oh, I didn't like any quarterbacks, so I tried to hit them all, you know, and unfortunately, I didn't have very many sacks in my career, Uh, so I I never looked forward to anybody, you know, it's just, you know, while it's a game, and it's a great game, it's still, it's my business as well, it's my job, so you prepare every week for that team, and it wasn't really the quarterback as much as the lineman I had to play against. You know, I, I can't just get to the quarterback. You got to beat a lineman to get to the quarterback. So there's a lot of study on obviously formations, down and distance, what plays they like to run. You try and narrow it down to the group of plays you think they may run at that time. But uh, it, it's really more study of game plan, study of down distance formations, plays they run, and then the offensive lineman you're going to play against. Did you have any any rituals pregame or anything leading up into the game? The only one I did is I, I talked to my father, kind of the, one of the last people I talked to before the game. I called him before a game. Uh, I talked to him obviously in high school. We were in the you know I lived at home, so he was there all the time. And then college, you know, he was at just about all the games. If not, I talked to him on the phone and in the pros before every game. I talked to him as well. So I wasn't a real ritualistic player i didn't have to you know put a sock on a certain way or tape a hand a certain way but i definitely talked uh, talking to my dad uh basically kind of the last person i talked to before each game um your brother also got in i remember him unfortunately i was too young to remember his playing career but i noticed him throughout his little stint and say bye to Bell the college years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you ever think to get into like a show or something just like he did or just go into TV? No, no, no. He, he wanted to be an actor. You know, he finished out with, with the Raiders when the Raiders were in L.A. And that's something he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was out there trying to do that and was, was fortunate enough to do that. I, you know, uh, right when I retired, ESPN 
uh, hired me to call college games. That's the first thing I did in 95. And then started doing uh, what NFL Live is now. It used to be called NFL Tonight. And I did that. Uh, and I was doing local radio in Arizona. And then flying and doing college games for ESPN and ABC on the weekends. And then during the week, I would do some studio work uh, in Bristol, Connecticut as well. So I went right to that. So no, there was there was never really I never really had the opportunity. It would have been fun, maybe maybe to try and do, but but that wasn't that I wasn't trying to do that now. What about coaching? If a team told you to ask you to coach, would you want to coach? No, um, I had a chance right when I finished. One of my coaches, uh, the late Bud Carson, who was one of the best D coordinators to ever be in the league. He was my D coordinator in the early '90s uh, in Philly. And fantastic. And when I finished with the Dolphins and he called me when I retired and asked me, I think he was in St. Louis with the Rams at that point. Um, He called me and asked if I wanted to get into coaching. He said he would make me an assistant D-line coach. And he thought I could be a good coach and uh, wanted to know if I wanted to, you know, get into it right away. And, And I said, coach, I love you. I love what you do. I said, but when I get there in the morning as a player, you guys are already there. When I leave, you guys are still there. And if you if you Google any coach who has coached for a while, it will show on his Wikipedia page all the places they've coached. I mean, it's a life of travel. It's a life of moving and moving over and over and over and over again. And, you know, I had two kids at that point. Um, my wife was pregnant with our third. And I didn't, while I think I, I, I think I could have, would have enjoyed coaching, I think I could have been pretty good at it. I did not like the nomadic lifestyle of coaches so I, I decided not to do that now shout out to uh dan patrick show i want to know if this is true what he said um about analyst because he was there at espn did they want you on this is what turns off a lot of former players from what he says is being they ask you a lot to do a lot like appear on sports center oh, yeah. nfl yeah. live is that what they expected you to do? Oh, yeah. You, you get in your contract. I mean, that's what the contract's for. And it's, it depends on what you agree with, agree to, you know. And when I was new, I had no leverage to say I'm only doing this. You know, so it's this many appearances on NFL Tonight, this many appearances on Sports Center, this many games you're going to call, this many radio appearances. It was in your contract. You know, and then it got to the point when uh, Mike and Mike started doing really well where we were focusing more on that show and started to travel that show. So all of a sudden I wasn't doing the sports center hits as much. I wasn't doing NFL live anymore at that point. So we could concentrate more on the radio and TV show and travel a little more. So sure. You know, in the beginning, um, yeah, I mean, they, they try and get you to do a lot of stuff. And when you're starting out, you don't mind doing it because you want the exposure. You know, on radio, on Sports Center, you know, on, on NFL Live, calling games. That way, you know, you kind of get your face out there a little more. What fellow colleague, when you uh, were there, um, did you like doing it with, on set with? Oh, I liked them all. I mean, I, I one of these shows, actually, while I was still playing, um, NFL or uh, ESPN2 started. And they had that show, Sports Night. And I actually did that while I was still playing. And it was a lot of fun. The three people, the, the two people, the two anchors were Keith Olbermann and Susie Culver. And the guy doing what I think they called it the Sports Smash Minute, I think, was Stuart Scott. So I got to work with those guys before I even worked at ESPN. So that was 
that was really cool. And you work with so many different people there. And uh, it was, but that was kind of my start there. And it was before I even was hired by ESPN because, like I said, I was still playing. But to work with them, we were all, you know, at such a young age, it was very cool. Now, uh, you played with three different teams, as you said. Uh, out of all the coaches that coached you, the three coaches that coached you, or how many in you've been with, uh, who would you say helped you the most as a player? Well, I mean, Buddy Ryan was a defensive, you know, while even though he was a head coach, uh, he was more of a defensive-minded coach, and I was a defensive player. So um, I, I would probably I learned the most from him because he was a defensive coach. Um, Jerry Glanville was my coach with the Houston Oilers. It was really his, kind of his first time as a head coach. He was also a defensive coach. But Buddy Buddy was really known, you know, the 85 Bears as a D coordinator, you know, with, with Dick as a head coach. Um, and when Buddy was a head coach, Jeff Fisher, another, you know, defensive player, former D player, was the D coordinator. But it really was Buddy's defense. Um, so I, I would say Buddy just because he was such a defensive guy and that was my side of the ball. Was was there a fan base that you in, enjoyed playing against or hated? Well, I mean, uh, if you played for the Eagles, it was usually the Cowboys. Though so you always had great rivalry, really, with the Redskins and or the Washington football team now, <laughs> and the Giants, because the Giants, you just drove right up the road, uh, you know, to go play them up the turnpike. Uh, but I, I would probably say it was the Cowboys. It was the most heated rivalry from a player standpoint and a fan standpoint. Now, uh, I, who uh, who was the quarterback for the for the Cowboys at the time? Was it Staubach or Aikman? It was Troy Aikman. I'm not that old. It was Staubach was before that. So yeah, it was uh, it was Troy Aikman. Yeah. Well, uh, I know you would. He, would he have been one of the ones you would have wanted to get a sack against for sure? Oh, I sacked him a couple times actually. I actually got an interception off him as well. Uh, but I played against him a lot. I mean, I was with Philly for six, seven years, and we played them twice a year. So I saw him a lot, you know, hit, uh, played them a lot. Gets a lot of the same guys on the old line against Emmett Smith as well. So, yeah, I, got, I, got, I was lucky enough to get a couple shots in on, on Troy. Now, were you, were you around when another, uh, re- uh, I, I can't say a Redskin, but a Washington football great went down? Uh, Joe Theismann, another colleague you had at ESPN, were you around when that happened? No, again, you're see, you're just so young. You're so young. You just no, that was before me as well. He, he was he was more than a few years before me. So uh, no, it was not. Uh, I forgot what year that happened. Um, we we crossed over in the league for a very. I, I don't. I don't think. Actually, I don't even think we did it all. If it was, it was a very very short time, but. He was at Notre Dame in the early seventies. I was there in uh, in eighty one. Yeah, Notre Dame is a Notre Dame is a good school. I yeah, mean, it's legendary. It's legendary. I mean, you played yep. for. Let's see, who who was your coach when who when you played there? It was Jerry Faust. And our years were not very good there in those years. Unfortunately, it was still a great place to go. Um, but uh, yeah, the years the years didn't go that great. Unfortunately. So I want to get into a little bit of today's game. Um, do you like now better how the league is uh, defending their players, unlike when you played? Or do you, considering you played in that era of what was more physical, do you like that era better than this? 
I have no, I, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, every era is different, you know. For, I, I, to me, I, I don't buy into the, you know, this, this, this group of players couldn't play in our era because it was different. You hear that in basketball as well. This era couldn't play in, you know, about LeBron. Oh, LeBron would, couldn't play in the area where they were knocking everybody down. That's ridiculous. If LeBron played in that era, he would have been born in that era, and that would have been the way he learned to play. He would have, so he would have played that way. So comparing eras, I think, is a ridiculous thing to do. Uh, I loved our era of playing, um, but you learn things. You know, when I was growing up and learning to drive, and before that, we never wore seatbelts. Nobody even thought about wearing a seatbelt. But we were smart enough to realize you should wear a friggin' seatbelt. So the way we were hitting in the NFL, while it was extremely hard and people loved to see it, it was extremely dangerous. Putting your head down and diving at people, you learn, you know, that that can cause some serious problems both during the game at that time and in the future as well. So you, we've learned that you evolve over time to where the game, while, while some people say it's not the same, the hitting isn't the same, well, you know, we've grown a little bit in the smarts department to say, you know, you shouldn't drop your head. The helmet truly is a weapon and you can't missile in. You're going to hurt yourself. We've seen people get paralyzed. You know, we got to take the helmet hits out of the game. So it's gotten to be a smarter game as well. Now, what about the pass interference ruling? What do you think on that as a defensive back? Oh, I, I mean, I hate it. I mean, they they did it for a reason to protect the players, the defenseless receiver when he's going for a ball. In my view, they over, and I've said this a million times on my show over the years, I think they overcompensated for it by calling everything. You know, basically, and it's not the ref's fault, they were told, you know, if, if it looks close, if it looks dangerous, throw the flag, you know, and that's what they do. So, and, and they also, listen, they want it to be an offensive lead. They want the high scoring. You know, you look in, you look in college where, Defenders can defend all the way down the field, DBs. And football in the pros, you got five yards. You can't touch a guy after five yards. And, you know, sometimes the ref call a little more strict than other times. Those hard, intimidating hits over the middle, you really don't see them anymore. And some is for safety purposes, and I get it. I, like I said, I understand that. But, again, I think they overcompensated at times. And if they, a lot of times if the refs see a big hit, they automatically throw a flag when it could have been a great hit with the shoulder and the midsection of the chest. But if it's close and it looked like you caught the guy in the head, they're going to throw the flag. And then defensive players also understand if they get flagged for it and they catch any part of the head, they're going to get fined $37,000 or more. So, I mean, that part of it as well has taken a little bit of the, the hitting out of the DBs and, and, and for safety purposes. But I, but I think, it has gone a little far. Players will adapt. The, the next, tackling in the NFL still isn't the greatest in the world because, and, and I don't blame the players for it. It's because of the way they were raised to tackle from little league on through. Mm-hmm. You, they, you were taught to hit, you know, with your face mask in, stick it in their chest, use your helmet. And, and we don't want that in the game anymore. So really the next great tacklers uh, or the next best tackling we'll see in the NFL is probably when this next crew of, Little League and high school players who have learned more like heads-up football, which is being taught, you know, at the Little League level, when they graduate and make it up to the NFL level, they'll start to see, you know, tackling that's that's safer 
And while some fans complain and say it's a softer league, well, you know what? They're not out. The, they're not the ones out there, you know, smashing heads and uh, and having issues down the road with it. So you're trying. You're never going to make the game safe. The game will never be safe. It's inherently dangerous because it's it's people hitting each other all the time. But you can do things between equipment and technique to make it safer. Now, do you think if Troy unfortunately didn't have all those concussions and retired early? Do you think he'd still be playing at least maybe somewhat of today, today's game? Troy, Troy playing today? Oh, my no. God, no. He, he, he's been out of the league for years. And no way he'd still be playing today. No, no, that's, that's way too far. Um, but I'm sure, you know, like Steve Young, concussions caught his, uh, uh, um, caused his career to shorten a little bit. Um, and, and they're def- definitely, to your point, though, more to, to, the, to the, the meaning of what you're trying to say, is they are calling more on the quarterback, uh, hitting the quarterback. So, because let's be honest, you know, the league is the, the quarterback's most important position out there, and the league wants them out there on the field, the star quarterbacks. And if they're, you know, concussed on the sideline or have a busted shoulder or broken collarbone and are not out there, that's, you know, not good for business, as they say. So they're going to protect the quarterbacks a little bit more. So, if they had less concussions, could it have prolonged their career? It quite possibly could have, because we're certainly seeing players, especially quarterbacks, play a lot later now. And what about uh, with CTE cases? Do you like how the NFL is improving that as well? Well, I mean, they got sued, too, by the players, so there's that side of it uh, for, for hiding information. There's a reason they you know, they got sued and lost eight $900 million. I did not get involved in the lawsuit at all from the player side. I made my own decisions to go on the field if I got popped in the head or not. I, I, you know, it was me who decided to go on the field. But I think just as a, as a whole, we got smarter about it. You know, just like I said, in the medical fields, we get smarter over the years with things. And, and I think we got smarter with CTE and we realized that while you're not going to get rid of all head collisions in the game, you start to teach, you know, keeping the head out of the game a little bit and make sure the players I think one of the big changes that has been good is the independent doctor and the fact that or or even that they're noticing more that if anybody got stung in the head a little bit, they take them out and they put them through a battery of tests before they can come back on the field. And that's a smart thing to do, because for the most part, we never wanted to come off the field. I mean, it, 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 it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. You know, when even way before I was playing up to when I was playing, if you got Nick, then they asked you how many fingers you had up, and they had up two, and you said three, it'd be close enough, and you go back in. You know, now they take your helmet, you know, which is the right thing to do. They take your helmet, and if it's bad enough, they take it into the locker room, and they make sure you can go through a battery of tests that all players have a baseline testing on um, and and determine whether you can go back in the game. And the, while it, players would rather be on the field, Sometimes players have to be protected from themselves, their decisions to go on the field. Others have to step in and say, you're not going back on the field. And and I think we've gotten a lot smarter with head injuries. Now, what we're seeing nowadays is uh, quarterbacks being able to basically, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for, pick or more intake into what happens in the team because of Brady with the Bucks. Now you see Deshaun, you see Rodgers, you see Russell. What what's your take on that? Do you feel? Oh, I don't. I, 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 I don't. 
I don't know if they're getting as much input as people think. They're not making personnel decisions. I mean, they're not making trades. You know, Tom Brady is going to. You, you would be foolish if you're if you're working with a Brady or a Breeze or a Aaron Rodgers to not get their input in on game plans. You know, on, on what they want to do. You know, Byron Leftwich is the the uh, OC in Tampa. You know, you know he's going to work with Tom, and you're gonna you're gonna take what Tom does best and you're going to implement implement that in the game plans. I think it gets blown out of proportion a little bit uh, that that these players, they you know, talking about being consulted about who a team's going to take. At the end of the day, you're an employee and they're the employer. Now, should you maybe be, is it cool to talk with your coach or the coach or GM talk with you about what the plan is? Well, yeah, I mean, you're the franchise player. You know, Patrick Mahomes could be the franchise player for another decade with Kansas City. So would it be smart to have conversations with him about things? Yeah, but Andy Reid's been coaching a hell of a lot longer than Pat Mahomes has been playing. And Andy's a damn good coach. You know, and you surround yourself with good management. These are the people that make decisions. So sometimes I think it gets blown out of proportion that that these quarterbacks should actually be making decisions. No. If you want to talk about it, if you want to have a discussion, that's fine. And maybe sometimes your input will be taken into consideration and other times it won't. So that's just that's just the way it goes. So Aaron Rodgers, that whole situation, you know, he has he has an issue with the GM though and how they're running the show and the philosophy of what's going on. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is going to be with the Green Bay Packers. Though. Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere. Where is he going to? Where is he going to go and have a better shot to win the Super Bowl? Right. I mean, what what? There's already a few Super Bowl contenders out there. They're set at quarterback. Right. You know, they're not trading for Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron's going to be in Green Bay. So your error, you had mobile quarterbacks. To this error now is basically to run, the run like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Deshaun type. Do you see that era of drop back quarterbacks? not happening anymore in the NFL. Yeah, it'll be a lot less for sure. I mean, you're seeing too much mobility and it's starting all the way down in the high school levels, you know, with these seven on seven tournaments around the country, you're getting mobile quarterbacks rolling out. Uh, you're getting coaches that are, uh, you know, putting the best athletes, um, you know, at the quarterback position now where they can run and they can throw and saying, okay, that's going to be a positive for us. We're going to use that. There was the day when, there would be kind of a running quarterback or, or a, not a not a traditional dropback passer in college. And then they would get to the pros and they would try and beat it into their head. You're going to be a dropback passer now. But what's happened now, and rightfully so, take their talents that you see in college and magnify them in the NFL. If they're great passers, great. But if they can pass on the run, if you can implement the running game, I mean, anytime a quarterback as a planned run it's a you have an extra man blocking now the running back can be a blocker and you know that one free man on defense isn't free anymore or because you have an extra block it's all about setting things up running your quarterback letting them know that the threat is there all you have to do is freeze a defense for a split second and now something's open over the top so I think more and more you're seeing the more athletic for it. And even they're bigger. You know, Josh Allen's a big guy, but he's an excellent runner. Trey Lance, who just got uh, drafted by San Francisco, is a big guy with a gun for an arm, but he can run. So it's not just smaller guys like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. You know, there, there's guys that 
can run and do damage running the ball. And you can now, like Aaron Rodgers can scramble and run and be dangerous, but you're not calling running plays for him like you are. You'll do for a Josh Allen. You'll do for a Trey Lance. You'll do for a Kyler Murray. You'll do for a Lamar Jackson, those guys. So, yeah, that, that's here to stay. So the Ben Roethlisberger's and Tom Brady's, you know, and those drop back guys that we have, they'll, they won't disappear. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, top pick. He's a drop-back guy. You know, he can move around some, but he's basically a drop-back guy. So they'll never be completely out of the game because the bottom line is even if you're a mobile quarterback, your bones are made throwing from the pocket. Your bones are made throwing timing routes, out routes, seam routes. You know, that's how you're going you're gonna to be the most successful. So even the, the, the quarterbacks that run the most, they have to be able to throw from between the tackles to be successful in the NFL. Now, I wanted to talk to you about the running back position. Why Why do we disvalue the running back position so much and not pay the running backs as much as we should? Probably life expectancy. They take so many hits. You know, uh, that that's why these guys will hold out and try and get that. Because as a rookie, you're playing on a rookie contract. So their biggest contract is probably going to be that second contract. You know, they just get hit, you know, they're getting hit by multiple people. And now you're going to see the most effective or highly paid guys are guys that can catch the ball as well. Guys are like a Christian McCaffrey who can line up in the backfield, but he can split out, uh, you know, in a slot. He can line up wide if you if you want him as well. You know, we, we missed Saquon Barkley last year because he was injured, but he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. The best thing in the world you could do for a, or a running back should want to do as he's coming up the ranks is catch the ball out of the backfield because that's where your worth really increases. Like, listen, Derrick Henry is a load, and he is so much fun to watch, watching him run the ball, but they're far and few between just like him that are just pure runners like that, like an Adrian Peterson was. Um, you know, you want a back that's going to catch 50, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 balls out of the backfield as well as rush for over a thousand yards. That's really the goal if you can get it. Now, I get Tom Brady was a sixth round pick out of Michigan and I get all that and I get he has a chip on his shoulder. But you won seven titles. What's still with the chip on his shoulder to want to win more Super Bowls? I because I, you gotta you gotta find something to motivate you. I mean what whatever you know, a lot of motivation comes from within. You know, and it's what what you see in yourself or what you perceive from somebody, you know, as, as great as those guys are, a lot of times because you know they're so good, they have to find something that's going to make them have that chip on their shoulder and give them that reason to keep going. They love the game. That's obviously why one of the reasons they keep playing. You can't put all that work in and do all the physicality it takes to play the game uh, and not have some love for it. So, uh, Tom, find something. You have to find well, what motivates you. Can you self-motivate yourself? Do you have to find uh, an exterior thing that somebody said about you or thought about, you know, or, or tweeted, whatever. You know, something where you can put that on your shoulder and say, okay, this is going to motivate me. I want to play till I'm 45. Everybody in the world says you can't play till you're 45. Well, that pisses you off enough to say I'm going to play till I'm 45. And oh, by the way, I'll win Super Bowls while I'm doing it. So, uh, yeah, you can have all the accolades in the world. But, uh, you know, and some people with that, then they do lose their drive and they say, I'm good. You know, I'm done. Others want to keep playing, want to keep going. 
You know, I, I never liked those that would like when Jerry Rice, you know, when his time was up in San Francisco, everybody was saying, oh, just retire. Why the hell would you, the guy that wants to play, why should he retire? Yeah. You know, now his career may not end great and others have done that as well. But as long as a man wants to go, man or woman in any sport, doesn't matter. As long as they want to put the time in and put the work in, you go do it as long as you want to do it. I, and I, I agree with you for a fact on that. Uh, so I want to take you to uh, his counterpart where he left, Belichick. What do you think he has to do? Because he realized the mistake in what he dra- in in a draft before dra- drafting two tight ends that aren't really nothing. So now he replaced the money this year with signing free agents. Where do you think that'll end up? Do you think he'll end up winning another Super Bowl? Uh, I don't know that for a fact. None of us know. But obviously, some of the free agent signings they had, you know, they had they had because they had, you know, drafting. You know, the guys they drafted didn't work out. That happens. You know, you, you have a grade on a guy, you bring him in, and, you know, it doesn't pan out. So they had to sign some free agents to make up for that. Nothing. Nothing's damaging Bill Belichick's legacy. Bill, Bill Belichick is a Hall of Fame coach. Not even, not even a question about it. But everybody says, was it Belichick or was it Brady, you know, who had, you know, people. One other thing people need to understand is the Patriots lost players in free agency and they had by far the most opt outs last year. Eight, eight mm-hmm. players. And I think yeah. six of them were starters on defense yeah. you know, right in that area there. So, I mean, that, that team was decimated. Cam Newton was not what, what we thought he was going to be. And that's going to be the interesting story for them. How does yeah? How, how does Cam come back now? You know what do they do? They got Mac Jones, but you know you don't want to rely on a rookie. Um, so you know we'll see what happens there. But you know most people are going to say, "Oh, see, it was Tom Brady all along." This Listen, those two, those two were great together. They they worked great together. Maybe at the end they didn't, you know, the, that way Tom wanted to have a little more fun and have things loosened up a little bit. Maybe that's one of the reasons he left. I don't know. Maybe we'll read in his book one day. Who knows right. on why he left. But they had a lot of success while they were together. They're both walk-in Hall of Fame player, a player and coach. Now here's a question for you. Here's a what if: If Tom Brady didn't get in the game after Drew Bledsoe got hurt, and yeah. Drew Bledsoe wasn't hurt, do you think he would have still a played for New England, or b <clears throat> got cut? Well, I don't think he would have got cut. I mean, he was the backup. Um, I mean, listen, hypotheticals are hard to answer. How much longer could Bledsoe have gone if he was healthy, you know, before Tom got a shot to come in? It, it's it's too difficult to answer. I mean, we don't know, but that's that's what this game is. This game is about when does your opportunity come and how do you take advantage of it? That's why you have to always be ready because you never know when you have to run on that field. So you damn well better be ready. So if you get the chance, sometimes the chance is only one series and you have to flash in one series. Sometimes that chance is a half. Sometimes that chance is a game. Sometimes that chance is half a season because the guy's out for the entire time. But you never know when it's going to come if you're not a starter. That's some, that sometimes guys find their way onto the field. It's at the demise of somebody else. That's the way it works. Everybody knows it. Everybody understands it. And that's what happened for Tom. It, happen, it happens all the time, all the time out there. This time with Tom Brady, it's obviously just one of the biggest names not ever play the game, you know, for a six-round draft pick. And really, really, even if he was the number one pick overall, still to have seven titles and ten Super Bowls is ridiculous. I mean, who's matching that? Right. 
what team do you think emerged has emerged has the favorite this offseason in both free agency and draft? Well, I mean, I, I like listen Kansas City to go back again. I mean, they're still the best team in the in the AFC with with four fifths of a new offensive line. Basically, it seems. I mean that that was really amazing. You know, you lose your two tackles, a guard as well, but you get Kyle Long out of retirement, and you bring free agents in for the other spots there. You did a good job signing your other players even before Mahomes, so they're still the favorite. And I think the next team has to be the Buffalo Bills, and and they're ready to make that run. I think to me, what's going to be interesting, I, the third best team very well may be the Cleveland Browns, which. I mean, first time in the playoffs and a playoff win in decades last year. So where do they go? They built that team nicely. I don't know if I'm completely sold on Baker Mayfield yet. Really good rookie year, horrible second year, obviously a good third year. So let's see where this year goes, where consistent he goes. I think the Cardinals are building well around Kyler Murray, who still has to improve in the passing game. They have a good running attack because he's a hell of a runner as well. Uh, but I like what they built. I'm interested to see um, where the Chargers go. Again, built their old line a little bit. And Justin Herbert, I think, surprised some people last year with just how well he played when he got the chance. When again, the opportunity, Tyrod Taylor, you know, his own doctor punctures his lung, giving yeah. him a shot to, you know, numb up his his ribs, and all of a sudden, Herbert's on the field. Yeah. Uh, and does a great job. And now he's not going to be off the field. So I'll uh, be interested to see where he goes. So, yeah, now you said that about the Browns. I got to ask you about Stefanski. Do you think they finally found their coach? Well, I mean, for now, sure. It looks great now. I mean, they've been through so many quarterbacks and so many coaches. Again, we have a one-year sample. It's a good sample, by the way. It's really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, right now it all looks positive. But, you know, you have to, you have to get a little more of a sample size to see if you're going to have that consistency. Where do you see the Steelers? Well, a lot, a lot, a lot of that is the old line. Their old line, just you know, between retirements, letting guys go free agency, that was just decimated. Their running game. I got Najee Harris. I think it was a great pickup. I love that guy. And and Ben's coming to the end. I mean, he just is. You know, he, you know. So what what does he have left? And if he can't get it, what do they have behind him? So that's going to be a team. I don't. Ben's Ben is kind of a drama guy at times where talks about retiring every year or talks about this ailment or that ailment. So a lot of times you're not sure about where he's going to be, but you know, when he's healthy and getting going, he's, he's, he's tough. No doubt about it. I like their receiving core, even though they had a decent amount of drops last year, that's going to have to get better. But that old line is really the main concern there. Now, do you see Deshaun Watson being on the NFL exempt list with all these accusations? Well, right now, I just saw the news that he wouldn't even be deposed uh, in, in, in court until February of 22. So that's after the season. Um, that's going to get really interesting. I, that, that's going to get interesting for Roger Goodell because he's not going to be on another team. That whole he wanted to be off and they were going to trade him. Nobody's trading for him now. No shot. Right. So it's just a matter of does he play for the Texans or is he on the exempt list? And I don't know what's going to change between now and the end of the year or when he's supposed to be deposed next February. I know some of the uh, some of the women who have accused him of this, they're being deposed through the year. So I don't know if that's going to change things. That That's something I have no clue about, uh, whether they could do it or, or 
I mean, they could do it if they want to do it, uh, but if they'll do it or not. See, the reason why I asked that is because the same thing happened to Zeke a couple years ago, but yet the NFL still suspended him. It's yep. like, how are you going to suspend if he was found not guilty in the law of court? I don't understand. I don't either. I Listen, I don't either. You know, they have every, every case is different, no doubt about it. And they don't have to have um, the, you don't have to be convicted of, to be suspended by the NFL. They can still suspend you. So it's a, it's a, it's a wild, you know, and, and they come under a lot of criticism for it. And at times deservedly so, because at times the NFL hasn't handled things well. Other times they have, but they, they have without question have made mistakes uh, when it has come to assault. You know that their players assaulting women. They they have made mistakes on that. There's no doubt about it. They have made mistakes about that. So you would almost think they want to play it more to the safe side and get a guy off the field until you see what's going on. So that's why I'm not sure. Right now they have time. It's only OTAs, and then you got training camp, and then you got preseason. So there's plenty of time before um, the season starts. And I doubt he'll be at OTAs to Sean Watson. And I would say if they're going to do something like that, it wouldn't be till at least the preseason, if not the regular season, when they decide if they're going to do that or not. Right now it's the off season. So what's he on the exempt list of, you know, OTAs, right. you know, so what? So in which he's not going to show up to anyway. So if they're going to do it, they probably, I would imagine, wait uh, until we get closer to the season. So even though the 49ers have, Obviously, John Lynch has the GM. And the coach is obviously Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan's son. A lot of people are saying that the Shanahans make all the decisions instead of the actual GM. Are you buying that? No, no, not at all. I think Kyle and John have a good working relationship. So, no, I, I, don't, I don't buy that at all. Nope. I agree. You can't up. I mean, well, we here in Tampa like John Lynch, so. I mean. Yeah, yeah, true. So, I mean, Kyle. I mean, Mike. Mike Shanahan hasn't been in the league for how long? I, I, I just, I just can't see how he would have that much power. No, I can't. No, I can't no. see it. I don't buy it at all. Not a bit. But that actually leads me to a question that was brought up a lot earlier. Do you think John Lynch could have played in today's NFL? Well, you have to change. I mean, listen, a, a lot of guys, once they changed the hitting rules, all, most of the guys that were in the league hit that way. So, I mean, they, John would have to adjust. You know, most players, you know, all, it's been the toughest, I think, on the defensive backs because they've had to adjust the most with their angles and what they're able to do. And John would have been one of them without question with the way he hit. So, yeah. Uh, it would have been tough, but he would have, he would have, if he wanted to play in the league, he would have adjusted. And I'm sure he would have wanted to play in the league. So these are the rules. You may not like them. There are a lot of rules. Hell, I don't like driving 55. I'd rather drive 70. But you know what? They're the rules. So I stay a little closer to the 55 so I don't get a ticket because I'm breaking the rules. So, I, you know, you have to follow the rules that they make for you. If you don't, then you pay the price. So you have to adjust to that. Now, we only had a small sample size, one game. I didn't get to see it. I don't know if Brett did or you did. But what do you think Trey Lance will turn into? What do you know about him? Oh, I mean, I no idea. He's a guy that played 13 games at the FCS level. 
So, I mean, I like him. He's got a strong arm. He runs extremely well. But we said that about a lot of players coming to the NFL. They don't do anything. I do like him. I think he'll fit into that system extremely well with Kyle Shanahan. So, I mean, most of these guys, you look at what they do and, and you see them go in the first round, you believe there's a lot of upside to it. You think there's going to be some success. Yet, time and time again, we see 50% of the first round quarterbacks are good and the others are busts. So you don't know. It's really you don't know until, I don't care what happens in college and how good you are. Remember now he's F, even FCS like Carson Wentz was. And we all keep going back to when Carson Wentz was having that year where he was, you know, go MVP level until they got hurt. And obviously he's been nowhere near that since to the tune of being, you know, gone now with the Colts. So we have to wait and see what Trey. The game is so much faster from college to pro and I'm sure from FCS college to pro. So the game moves quicker. The decisions have to be quicker. The windows are smaller where he's going. Uh, the defenses can fool you more. So I don't know. Everything is set up for these first-round quarterbacks to be successful with the talent we see out of them, but we've never seen them in the, the hyperspeed of the NFL and the decisions that they have to make. So we all think that they can do good, but we know by track record, not all five guys who went in the first round are going to be successful. That's just the way it is. Now, why do you think every single year, we, we don't know much about a lot of quarterbacks, but yet every year you see at least three or four taken high up in the draft that most we don't the, know of. Most important position because, of the game. Why is Yeah, that? it's exactly right. It's the most important position, and it's, a, it's the position teams will reach for the most to try and get that guy. Because if you don't have a quarterback, you're, you're, you're not going anywhere. It's a rare thing. You know, that, you know, where you have the 2000 Ravens, where you have Trent Dilfer as a quarterback, who's a good quarterback, but he's not an elite quarterback, but you had, a, you had an elite defense. But we, you know, so th those are far and few between. So you'll look at a guy and you'll sometimes magnify his abilities because you need a quarterback and you'll reach more than you should for a quarterback. And sometimes it works. Sometimes you get bit in the ass for it. But wouldn't you w rather want to wait? Uh, they for what? Through, through their rookie contract, though, to draft another one? Wait. Waiting in the NFL is a swear word. You don't wait in the NFL. You wait, you lose your job. You can wait all you want, and then by the time you get that quarterback, there's a different coach and a different GM. So you've waited your ass right out of a job. The reason so why I say that, that the reason why I say that is because every single year there's a quarterback that everybody don't know about that tends to be turns out to be good. Yeah. You get, yeah, yeah, that's but, what I'm saying. Like, but, why not wait just the five, uh, five years? And, I, and, I, and, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because <laughs> if you wait, you won't have a job. You'll watch somebody else coach that guy. That's what I'm telling you. You don't wait because then you're unemployed. Oh, okay, that make that makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. but I mean, personally, being a Bucks fan, I'd rather have a several down years. And of course, I'm kind of used to losing. So several <laughs> down years for a. A couple good ones, and like oh, a championship. Listen, a fan base, you get a you get a Super Bowl or so. That that get, that buys you a lot of time. That buys you a, a sweet spot of time if you get to that Super Bowl and climb the heights. You know that buys you a little bit before they start saying, "Okay, we need another one." Without without question, what have you done you'll, you'll take some down years for for a couple of up years. Yeah. Now, what's the deal with Julio Jones? Do you think where Don't do you know. think he's going? Oh, man, I, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, he may not go anywhere. They may try and I, – I don't know. I mean, 
cap number gets involved. Obviously, you'd want him. He'd want to go to a team. I'm sure that's close to a Super Bowl, uh, so he can try and get one. He certainly was close one year, being up what 28 to three or yeah. whatever the hell it was, 25 to three. My God. Uh, so I'm sure he'd like to go somewhere. But for Atlanta, if they're going to trade him, it's got to be Atlanta's got to understand it's a business decision for them, and they got to try and get the best deal they can. Uh, and get what they can in return for them. Yeah, because that was weird. How I'd never seen anything like that yet. Uh, what happened yesterday on Undisputed, where he just flat out, Shannon just ended up calling. I know you've heard. I, I I know you heard this yesterday. What he did, yeah. he ended up calling Julio right on the phone, and Julio didn't even know he was on air that we know of. Yeah, it yeah. was weird. Who knows? I, so, yeah. I mean, um, never know. But I also, I'm also curious too. Where do you think? The Dolphins will fit in. Do you think Tua is their longtime QB? Oh, I have no idea yet. I mean, you can't tell. I mean, how many games did he play? I mean, there's not enough a sample size. There's no way you can tell until, you know, now he gets the offseason as the starter. Now he gets, and, and it looks like it's more of a normal offseason. You couldn't tell last year he wasn't the starter out of the gate. The offseason was a Zoom offseason like we're doing. Now it's a more of a regular offseason, even though some players are, still aren't showing up as much, but it's more of a regular offseason than it was last year. So now we'll get a truer test. It's his team. Now there's no mistaking it's his team. So now we have to wait and see, but way, way too early to tell what he's going to do. So two last two questions I have for you before we let you go. We got seven minutes. Um, the first one is you played defensive back. Is there any advice? No, I didn't. I play. I played defensive line. Defensive line. Sorry, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> is there no, any? Ad- well, <laughs> somewhat. Is there any advice you would want to give the people watching this? Any advice to the kids that are wanting to wanting to play that position? Oh, my advice for forget that position for any sports is put the work in. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what sport or what position you play if you want to do it. You have to understand you have to not put the work in. you got to put extra work in. I mean, when I when my kids had goals of playing football at Notre Dame and my daughter swimming at Notre Dame, I told them, you know, because it's what me and my brothers went through. You don't just do the practice that you're, you're at. You know, you're going to do extra. You know, you may not be able to go out with your friends as much as you want. You may be up earlier than you want. you got to put the work in. you got to put the time in with the drills, you know, with the front and end today, proper eating. Uh, proper training it's so much better than when i was growing up of, of what it's doing you have to make a commitment you can't half-ass success so that would be the biggest thing to me it's not it's not position specific it's you have to make a commitment that this is something you want to do seek out those around you that can put you in the best position to help you succeed in that and i'm going to put you on the spot like i do all my other guests um in any sport i have interview um I know it's early, and it's to see if it hasn't started. Who do you see in the Super Bowl, and who do you see winning at it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's tough to think Tampa doesn't have a great shot to get back there. New Orleans, Drew Brees is gone. I'm trying to think of, you know, uh, Aaron will stay in Green Bay, and they'll, they'll be good again, but I don't know if they'll be able to Tampa's defense. Again, we keep talking about Brady. It wasn't for Tampa's defense. It really was the that's defense. What, that, 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 that's, what, that's what helped them beat Green Bay. Yeah. And then obviously slowed down Mahomes. So it's tough for me, but there's always a surprise team or two every year. Um, but in the NFC, I'm trying to think who could overtake them. Tough for me to think anybody can. Uh, so I'd say Tampa. 
And I don't know who's going to outdo Kansas City. You still got Mahomes. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Uh, he had some injuries last year. A lot's going to be on how that old line gels because they got a new old line. Um, could we see, you know, a Super Bowl, the same two teams in it? Number two. Um, but just, just to be just to be different, I'll say the Bills. Maybe the Bills will squeak by and make it in this year and play Tampa Bay. And last one, I now that I've brought, now that you brought that up, do you do you think teams now have what it takes to stop Mahomes after what they after what they witnessed, what the Bucks defense do? Oh, I mean, sure, you got to have the talent though to be able to do it. You know, you can have the greatest scheme in the world, but you have to have the talent to execute it. And Tampa Bay did, like I said. Tampa Bay wouldn't even have been in that position had that defense not not won them against Green Bay. But think about think about what that Tampa Bay defense did. They beat walk-in Hall of Famers. Well, they beat two walk-in Hall of Famers and one guy who was projecting that way. Drew Brees in New Orleans, and then Aaron Rodgers yeah. in Green Bay, and then Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So, you know, Brees and Aaron are walking in the, into the uh, Hall of Fame. Pat's got a way to go but he's certainly projecting in a great way, but I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame just yet, even though he's playing like one. So that defense to me was were the real stars of Tampa Bay. Tom deserves the headlines and deserves the credit, but even he understands how well that defense has been playing. So um, again, you got to have the talent. They had the talent. Um, and I don't know if there's a blueprint to stop Mahomes because he can do some crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. But the bottom line is, you know, from when football started to football today, it doesn't change. The best thing you can ever do is hit a quarterback. Knock him down, knock him down, right knock on. him down. Over and over again, hit him as much as you can. Then Nobody likes to get hit. That's true. But, all right, thank you, Mr. Golick. Uh, much appreciated. Thank, thank you, you for taking time out of your busy you schedule. Um, feel free. I got your contact info now, so I'd like to have you down, down the line and how many times you'd like to come on. It was fun. All right, thanks, Ben. Thank Appreciate you. it, guys. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, bye. Well, what'd you think, Brett? I thought that was a great interview. I enjoyed having him on. It was a, it, it was definitely great. Known uh, a lot of football knowledge from oh, yeah. from a guy who played nine years along with his brother Bob. Did you even know? Did you even know that they played at the same time? Him and his brother? I didn't know that. I, I knew they played a couple of years and together, but he said his his brother played for what thirteen and he played for nine. Yeah. So I knew it overlapped a little bit, but did you ever have a chance to see his radio show? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well. Hear his radio show. Yeah, the Mike and Mike. Yeah, I heard. yeah. It, it was, I, I didn't. I didn't watch too much of it, but it, from what I saw, some episodes I enjoyed it, yeah. and he he was good. But like he said, unfortunately, ESPN thought different, so they kept his son. He's, nah, I you wouldn't know. say different. It's just that's the way business works. Is sometimes you you end a long relationship. It sucks, but yep. But, all right, this concludes episode number 28 with Bob, Mike Golick. Mike Golick. And we will be back, well, I might be back Thursday with a guest. Are you, will you be? I don't know. Maybe. Okay, we will see. 
But other than that, you guys have a good night. Stay safe. And don't do anything we wouldn't do. Have a good night.